0: Yeah, do you feel loose already?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. I, I've got like my go to uh, like interview whiskey. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I'm like, all engines go. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm good. Awesome. I need to start labeling my whiskeys by event and not by.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's really good. I like that. Yeah, it's easy for me to remember
1: because this is. Um, proof. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. It was given to me as a gift um, by my friends, uh, Dave and Kelsey. um, And I tried it before like the like virtual launch of my book. Uh um, And it like, like the personality just oozed (laughs) out of
0: me. This is it. This is the one I go to every time. That's amazing. I love that. So many, so many, so many damn books. books. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, to So Many Damn Books. I am Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Gus Marino joining us in the cosmic space of the damn library. Nice. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Gus Marino's stories have appeared in Aurealis, Pseudopod, Bluestem Magazine, and Burnt Tongues, an anthology. He lives in the suburbs with his wife and dogs, but never think for one second. That he's not from chicago he's also the author of this thing between us can't cannot wait to talk to you about it i have to say i love that
3: bio i like a bio that has some panache to it yeah <laughs> uh yeah it just felt right yeah <laughs> felt very right and also
1: it's always weird to like uh I I, always, I like the bios that ha- have like uh, the weird personal stuff in it, but then I, I don't want to put too much. So it was like, that was like my, like a little compromise with myself. Yeah. Likely threatening the uh, reader. Nice.
0: <laughs> what a great way to start a book. It's the first <laughs> yeah. thing it's just a slight threat. Yeah. Your book inspired me to make... A cocktail that I wanted to be frightened of. (laughs) And you mentioned when uh, in prep that you like uh, whiskey. And so I was like, that's going to be, that's going to be the base. I'm going to make some sort of probably an old fashioned or something like it. Um, But I came up with this, this drink, um, it's called the void looks back. And I'm going to bring it up here. You can see the eyeball in the bottom of the glass there which is, um, that's a lychee fruit with a blueberry stuck inside. And I'm very proud of that. And it looks really frightening in the glass. (laughs) It's really (laughs) weird, man. Um, So it's whiskey and then um, I I wanted sort of a red and I just thought I was gonna get some type of red soda. And I saw Bruce's, that um, ginger soda brand, had a pomegranate hibiscus ginger um, soda. So I reduced that into a syrup and used that as the sort of, you know, sugar cube light, lightening of a, of sugar. And then the, the lychee ha- a- adds just a tiny bit of flavor on its own. Um, nice. So I didn't do any bitters or anything, but so it's just those things stirred. And then I served it up because I just, I, I thought that that was the best way to showcase this creepy eye. At the, that I mean, looks awesome. <laughs> at the bottom <laughs> of the glass. So to you, cheers. I wish I was serving this to you in person, but... Cheers. Cheers. What do you got there, Drew? I'm drinking a
3: Fire, Tau- uh, Fire Tower Red IPA from my local brewery, Westkill Brewing. Mm, very nice. Um, it's like it's
0: the perfect autumn beer. Lovely. This is... We are ready. We are primed. We are ready. To talk <laughs> about All three books. of us with our
3: with our dark-colored alcoholic
0: drinks on these... <laughs> very early dark evenings i think it's time to uh, to go into uh what did you buy right drew you start okay give the shape
3: today mere hours before i got to where i am right now recording this podcast uh i was wrapping up at the bookstore and I was like, man, I really want to read a space book. And I knew I didn't have any space books at home. And uh, they're on the shelf on the new arrivals. Tade Thompson's newest book, Far From the Light of Heaven. I know very little about it other than that it's gotten some good reviews and that it is a locked room mystery on a like hibernation spacecraft. Oh, like the first mate wakes up and something has gone like people are dying while they're in hibernation and she's the only one who's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh so I'm excited for that. Wow. That's good. what I got. It's fresh too. It's that thing of like impulse purchase that felt good. Yeah. So <laughs> Gus, how about you?
1: Um so um I have an Audible account. I don't know if uh, you guys have an Audible accounts, but I was thinking about canceling it. And then I realized when I was gonna cancel it that um, I had to use my credits before I could cancel it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh crap, I've got Let's to use to these you. credits. <laughs> so I had, I had a couple. So I bought a uh, Soul of an Octopus by Simon Montgomery, oh, And then yeah. I bought How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Feldman Barrett. Um, I bought those books on uh, audio just because um, I'm a super, super slow reader. And when it comes to anything that's not fiction, I'm even slower. Right. So like this was just like I, I started listening to audiobooks just for, for that, just to get it like faster into my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized that I can't cancel my subscription um, until I listen to them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so like by the time I listen to them, I will have another credit. And then i will have to use it again and like amazon's locked me in yeah it
3: got you on the hook
1: yeah but i also uh recently purchased new underwear okay like like just not not anything fancy just like regular (laughs) underwear and it's Uh like from my wife just constantly begging me to like (laughs) um and it's really affected my entire wardrobe <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I never realized like I'm I'm always I've always thought like my pants were I, like I had to hike up my pants and really it's just like my uh falling apart underwear that was the problem. <laughs> so now like everything feels great uh, oh wow those are some really strong purchases for me hell yeah
0: that makes yeah. sense I feel like that there's there's often things like that where you didn't realize that there was something at the very bottom that you were supposed yeah. to be. Saying, <laughs> that there was all this stuff.
1: Yeah, all along there was something beneath the surface, just yeah. uh, causing all your problems. Mm-hmm.
0: I have a I have a stack of books that fell on me because I had a tiny book at the bottom. <laughs> it's the same exact problem, but only yeah. written in pages instead. <laughs> Christopher, what'd you buy? I bought one thing and we were sent another thing that I'm so excited about um i i loved dear cyborgs by eugene lim and i've been waiting to see what he does next and um decided it was time to go he he just released coffee house press just released his new novel search history and uh i was so excited to go check it out um i went to the local bookstore and they looked they that thing happened where they looked on the computer and they're like, we have six copies. Where are they? <laughs> and, and it was me and the bookseller. Like, is it, is it behind me? Like looking around trying to, and we found the copies. They were all underneath the, um, uh, Carlo Knazgard, my struggle. <laughs> two picture too perfect. Yeah. Too much, too easy. <laughs> And then the other thing that I got that I'm so excited about from um, it's it's was sent to us. It comes out next year in April, um, and it's Nicola Griffith's new uh, novella, Spear. Uh, she wrote Hild, a book that I at one point in my life owned four copies of just for random reasons. <laughs> um, and but which was a huge like, yeah, that was a chunky one. That was a monolith of the book. This is like slim and mean and it's about it's a queer retelling of Arthurian legend cool I'm I'm totally here for some new retellings of Arthurian legends that might maybe aren't connected to such horrible problematic people (laughs) (laughs) Marion Zimmer Bradley I'm looking at him (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's um those those are the two things making my stacks dangerous nice um, right now People who listen to this podcast probably love books. And if you love books, you're probably going to love Scribd. Forbes and TechCrunch and Wired all called Scribd Netflix for books. And that means that there are millions of ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, and more that you get with your subscription to this incredible service. You also get thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've read. Script is incredibly easy to use, really fun. I used it to listen to Lisa Letts' Spellman series, and that was really wonderful. So I always get a warm feeling when I see the app icon on my phone. And you too can use Script. Right now, Script is offering our listeners a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com SMDB for your free trial. That's try.scribd.com slash smdb to get 60 days of Scribd for free.
3: Speaking of books that might kill you. Yes. (laughs) Gus, will you tell our readers a little bit uh, about the book if they haven't picked it up yet?
1: Yeah. So this thing between us is about a young couple Uh, Newly married, they purchase a new condo, and they begin to experience strange phenomena, weird happenings in the condo, uh, cold spots, scratching in the walls. Um, The husband, Tiago, uh, begins having these weird dreams, um, and all of this this weird supernatural stuff starts to center on a smart speaker that uh, his wife, Vera, purchased called Itza. Um, So Itza starts playing music at strange hours. Um, It sounds like she's talking to someone that isn't there. Uh, Weird purchases are being made. And at like the fever pitch of like all of this, Vera dies in this freak accident. And Tiago is just like destroyed by his grief. So he flees to Colorado to kind of, to get away from the media that Kind of builds up around Vera's case uh, to get away from family and friends and just be alone with uh, his memories of his wife, but the thing that was inhabiting the Itza doesn't let him uh, and it follows him out to Colorado and uh all hell breaks loose um with like that's like my favorite like saying so <laughs> like I whenever I can like describe a book like that, that's my favorite
3: thing to say. It's right up there with uh, hijinks ensue. Uh Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: exactly.
3: I mean, this book earns it too. Like all hell does break loose in a way that feels really satisfying when you're recommending it to somebody to be like, yeah, and then like, (laughs) call me.
2: All hell breaks loose. That's
1: exactly, I I love getting uh, like messages from people who are like, I just read the first section. It's amazing. I was like so into it. And then I'm like, keep going oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you you that, that good favor i have with you may not be there at the end. <laughs> um, so yeah like
0: it's been great i i'd love for you to talk about the itza and the sort of creation of of a haunting inside of like this new technology i mean like the usual thing is like a ancient curse Inside of like an amulet or something, um, but this is a completely different reimagining of that.
1: Yeah, um, it started off with me wanting to write actually a haunted house uh, story, but just incorporating contemporary technology. Like I always just felt like that was a it it's it's something you always kind of like have to turn your brain off when you're watching like a modern horror movie, and you're like, why don't they use their phone? I
2: mm-hmm. don't
1: they, why don't they take a photo? Why don't they like message someone? Um, so I was like, okay, I wanna use, you know, what, whatever is in my house like right now, like that that stuff can be like what haunts me. Um, so immediately I was like, okay, a smart speaker talks to you, that has to be the main uh, scary thing. Right. Um, and initially it was like a haunted house story that has like, a, 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 it was a family that moves into this house, experiences weird phenomenon. And it's all based on the smart speaker um but but then in the in the midst of all this, one of the parents uh is diagnosed with cancer, so it became this story about uh dealing with cancer on top of dealing with this like weird thing in their smart speaker mm-hmm. um and what ended up happening i i like it was kind of like I had like a the car but i didn't have the engine if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah um so it was like okay like i'm going to bank that story um cuz honestly i was looking for like more technology to use um i really am jealous of um i forget what paranormal activity movie it is where they used the uh the xbox connect um, <laughs> to, like, to like capture motion
0: oh in, in oh. the room
1: Which is like, yeah, like a genius thing that I was like, okay, I want more of that, more of that. Um, But what ended up happening though, was that I lost someone very close to me. Uh, My sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Carol, passed away from cancer. I just devastated me. So I couldn't really do anything besides just like write my feelings. Um, So like, as I was doing that, I was like, okay, I need some type of like lattice to like attach my feelings to like went through my old story ideas and found the smart speaker one again. So I was like, okay, I think there's a connection here that I can like work with. And it was literally like um, uh, Stephen Graham Jones often tells like this, like anecdote of a, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the author's name, Joe Lansdale. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, but that he's, he's he described writing as like either the like either the story like bleeds from my fingers or it feels like I'm building a chair. Um, and this thing between us felt like, like it just bled through my fingers. Like it just like, it all, all came out in this rush. Um, so I think that's where like that, the energy that the book has uh, comes from that because it's just like, so like uh, intense and immediate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think like the book, like that part of the book really like comes from just this like place that I was in. Um, so, so yeah, like really like that's, that was the impetus and that's kind of like, I, it just took off from there.
3: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's always that thing, like, if don't throw anything away cause who yeah. knows when, when it'll be the right time to use it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I use, I do that a lot too. I like, you know, you have a story, you don't know, really know how it works. And then I just, I just think of it as like junking it Where like, I hold on to it, but I put it in a folder that I'm like, I'm going to come back to it at some point and just start pulling pieces out of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that's don't throw like your stuff away, put it in a, in a junk folder that you're like very ashamed of. <laughs> but Someday something in there might like work for you again. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really brave to write through grief. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was
1: it was literally the only thing I could do. Like it wasn't I at that time like I didn't even think I'd uh write fiction ever again just cuz it felt so uh you know, you lose someone and then you try to write about made-up people that were in your head it just feels like so like frivolous I was like I don't know if I could do this ever again so I was like I can just write about my feelings and it was literally like um at that time I de- I developed the like write every day um mm-hmm. habit mm-hmm. so like uh like in in the thick of uh Carol's like diagnosis and treatment Um, I couldn't write anymore, but that like urge to write was still there. And it was just like gnawing at me, gnawing at me, gnawing at me. So really, um, when I just started writing my feelings, it was just to shut that part of me up. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, it'd be like, okay, fine. I I wrote something, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, But it just like, it really just snowballed from there. And it was like, it wasn't even thinking like it was, it was just, you know, word vomit, uh, at every time so like you know at, at the time i didn't think like it was it was helping me it was it was more just like a, a an act of desperation for me but looking back on it now i'm like wow like that really helped me process uh my grief in a, in a way that i don't think i could have done um any other way
2: mm.
1: outside of binging a lot of horror which i also did at that time <laughs> <laughs>
3: What is it for you that drew you to writing, to connecting, writing about your grief and writing horror? Like, because in your acknowledgments you cite um, several of my absolute favorite horror novels, Mm -hmm. like Breddy St. Ellis's Lunar Park, um, John Langan's The Fisherman, like this book and The Fisherman, I saw that, and I was like, oh, of course, like, yeah. But it's something, I'm so fascinated when authors do it, and I know that a lot of people, I'm really, I'm thinking about my mother-in-law in particular right now, look at horror and they're just like, why, it, particularly if you've experienced something bad, like why, why would you go to scarier things? Mm-hmm. And so I'm always curious to know like what, what brought you to connect those things?
1: For me, when I'm when I'm writing horror, like, my like objective is just to get to get at whatever it is i'm like not writing the thing i'm like mm-hmm. alluding to the entire time like the horror for me is like that's what it that's what that like unspeakable thing feels like
2: mm-hmm.
1: um the thing i can't write like that the the like horror part takes its place and that's where i feel like it's like a useful metaphor um because i never had any intention to write something cosmic or to write, I, you know, like I've seen it described as like cosmic horror, uh, supernatural thriller, techno thriller, like those things were like never in my mind. Um, I I was just trying to capture like what it feels like to like, try to process your grief while at the same time, um, the weight of the world is like, go back to work. Uh, Stop thinking about this. Um, it's been enough time now, like, you know, move on. Like, you know, you gotta pay your bills. You, the car needs gas. Like mm-hmm. all of these like things that are just bombarding you when you've had this like, this shift that like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to worry about like uh, going back to work while at the same time, it feels like I've been pushed into a parallel dimension where someone I love is not there anymore
2: yeah um, so like it, it was
1: it was that like that feeling that i was like how can i you know how how can i how can i write about this in a way that makes sense and yeah i just automatically go to horror for a lot of things um it's just even when i try to write like regular not horror stories <laughs> like it, will, it will always veer that way um so it's just like a i don't know i don't know if like. I'm that kind of car where, like, if you let go of the steering wheel, it just goes, <laughs> it just goes like right,
2: <laughs> left, right.
1: Like, I immediately go to like dark, disturbing,
3: uh, terrifying things. I like that metaphor a lot. Mm-hmm. That idea that it is, it's the thing you can't write about. And so you get to invent a creepy cosmic horror entity in a chef's outfit.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it, and then it, I think the uh the like incomprehensible elements of that yeah when people are like I like it's it's you know when it's incomprehensible I feel like that makes it realer Mm -hmm. like it makes it when when you can make the horror feel so big so unbeatable like for me that 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 that, like resonates with like reality um just because like we can, we can all like look at a, I mean, just to even take it in like another example, like you look at a celebrity and it's like, they have like all of the things to like make their life great. Like why do they like end up in like some rehab treatment or they like uh, take their own life? Like you, you don't really understand. And it's because there's like this incomprehensible element that you just like can't put into words that is Weighing all of us down in some way, like in in some form, Mm. and I think, like, for me, horror horror is just like that genre that that makes space for that kind of feeling,
0: right? It 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 addresses it head on rather than being like, oh, we won't have to talk about the the unknowingness of life in in this particular Nora efron movie, (laughs) right? Right? right. (laughs) Or even you like, I think about like a man.
1: There is that. There is a Nicole Kidman. I think it's nicole kidman and aaron eckhart where they're like they've like lost a child and the whole movie is about like them kind of like dealing with that and it just feels like it's kind of like you're saying the the loud you're saying the quiet part loud with that movie where it's just like it's just like all trauma and all uh you know the the terribleness of of that kind of situation but like nothing else to it whereas like I feel like in horror when you can like when you can like pour that stuff into this like il- elaborate like supernatural thing like it, there's this kind of disconnect where it, you're like you're you're now you're like a little confused and that confusion kind of like triggers a, a fear in you and that fear is like so real that it then makes everything else you're reading even realer. Like, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's something in like horror that just like it just uh, short circuits everything, and and you forget about like whether this makes sense or not, and you're, you're just like left with the emotion that I find like really, really uh, like interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is the scary stuff in this book, does it scare you or does it scare your character or both? Mm. I would say
1: it scared me while I was writing it. Um, because I was, I don't know, I think there's an, there's a part of the book that I, I think um, is very voyeuristic. So like, I, th- I think like that's that's part of the the, the appeal for like uh, how like like the book can be like a fast read,
2: mm-hmm. and I think
1: because of that like voyeuristic uh, element and being the being the first person being the first voyeur, like I just felt like so in so like involved with what was going on with Thiago that like when these things were happening, um, I was terrified. <laughs>
2: like yeah.
1: I. I think like and because it was also going into places that like I did not want to go to. Like I had I had just lost someone and then Tiago loses someone. Um and I I have two dogs. I love oh. dogs. So like I was like, okay, obviously a dog's gonna be in this book. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I had I like with do- the brim Brimley, the dog, like. I knew his story was going to go like into places that like I did not want to go. Yeah. Um but like it just felt like that's that's what the book was requiring so like so my my fear was really like this like this like north star that was like okay like if I if I can keep scaring myself while I'm in the midst of grief that lets me know one it was like hey you're feeling something <laughs> and like two <laughs> Um, you're on the right track. So, like that was really like the guiding principles behind it.
0: We need to go back to about writing about dogs and writing the dogs in this book. Um, we are both dog owners as well. yeah, and I mean, everybody knows, like audiences, when they're reading or watching anything that has a dog in it, especially in horror, there's certain dog expectation. um and there's even that website does the dog die.com <laughs> i was just curious when when you started to put brimley in i just talk more about the writing dogs i knew i knew the the book was going to be
1: a, like a harrowing read um and for like as much as i had invested into it i knew like i also needed to like push myself um into into a place i like was going to be uncomfortable with and that, that's where like Brimley came in. Um, but like, I, I guess I, I also want to say like, it's not like the book doesn't have like crazy animal torture or anything <laughs> like right. it, it, I'm not like, so, you know, so then I like wrote 10 pages of a uh, dog surgery or something like, no, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I I just knew like it was, you know, dogs, are, are uh, species that, that are like very near and dear to my heart. Um, for whatever reason, I've just gravitated to animals more than people. not be and I'm not like I'm not like a an antisocial like i I hate people or anything like that. Like it's I just have like a connection with dogs. Um, I think it's because we don't have to talk that like <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: really like really resonates with me. Um so writing brimley, I really wanted to. One like I wanted. I wanted to write a dog that was gonna be like a great dog that people were gonna be like, "Oh my god, I fucking love this dog." <laughs> but then um, I I also didn't want to write Air Bud or some <laughs> <laughs> some you know a, like a, a movie dog or like right. a book dog where it's like this dog does amazing things and you're like, "Okay, I get it."
0: Like the Brimley took took the gun in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um So it was like really like a a balancing act and what i ended up doing was um i would just i just based the dog off of a family dog that like we previously had um because i it just felt like the right mix of like of like personal but with like a distance so like that that really helped in writing the brimley dog um but yeah like it's something i try to i actually have to avoid including a pet in like everything I write. <laughs> just because I'm like, well, what does the cat think?
2: <laughs>
1: like I'll like, my, I will automatically go to like some type of like animal mind uh, that I have to like, okay, no, this is a dog, about, this is a story about people. Let's <laughs> keep the dogs out of it.
3: I do like that um, my expectations about Brimley were confounded multiple times Yes, in a way that honestly just Broke my heart more, in a way that the book was really good at doing. I think I, I keep thinking about that thing you said about like the voyeuristic side of it, and the fact that so much of it is in this propulsive second person, like right there with it. I guess I just want to go like, I want to know a little bit more about that from a, from a writing standpoint. Like, what? How do you? Is it just by building up the like right everyday practice? that made you be able to like grit through it, you know? I
1: I wanna say no, um, just cause like there were days where, um, I don't know, like the, the the writing everyday habit, I know that's like a, that is a uh,
3: writing tip that is often thrown out to <laughs> the writers. Um, and it's- it nano so- NaNoWriMo, so lots of people listening to this are debating <laughs> whether or not they've lost by not having written yesterday.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly so I like I I know it's like a tried and true thing and it's something I did something I did for this book but like I don't I don't really know like um it it, it, it might it might also be one of those tools that like works for a little bit and then you just like set it aside uh to do something else like I think really for me what um what was the driving force as far as like the, the fear and the horror was just like, I don't know. I just to, just to go back to like the grief part, it was, it was like, when am I going to stop crying?
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: when, when am I going to, when am I going to get back to normal? When it like, there was, there was a point in, in the like mourning process where I was like, okay, I get it. Like, can I <laughs> <just> stop crying? <laughs> like, can i can I like turn on the radio and not some random song make me cry? Like, can I like just like live? But you know, that's not the case. Um so it was just like this relent, this relentless feeling that I felt that when i was when I was writing the book and I knew it was going to be about grief, I like I just knew it had to be relentless. It had to be it just had to push Tiago um beyond the limits that people would think were were possible um I think I think of Tiago as my John McClane from (laughs) Die Hard (laughs) like he's not he's not the right man for the job um but he's and he's gonna get like the shit kicked out of him but he's still gonna be there each and every time I think that's like the one thing I hope people take away from the book is just like it's a it's a gauntlet it's yeah. it's like yeah. he goes through a lot of stuff but he goes through it yeah like he, he doesn't understand what's going on but like he's always like he's there at the end um, right it,
0: it's not and- like a it's not like he shows up at the end like shiny and new like sometimes at the end of like it is definitely more diehardy where it's like no his feet are ruined like- <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes exactly Bigness of Grief, and that idea was very much on my mind as I went into what was for me a reread of the book that you brought to us, um, Clive Barker's The uh, Hellbound Heart, and I, relatively recently, I was reading something about like horror adaptations, and somebody was talking about Hellraiser, and they were like, it doesn't work in the way the book does, because it misses the point that the book is about grief. And so like, I just found myself thinking about that as we were, as I was reading it. Um, and like, what, what prompted you to recommend it to us? Clive Barker is a blind spot for me. Oh. So like Clive Barker,
1: for some reason, I mean, he, Clive Barker's work kind of represents my like upbringing of like, he he has that like I know I'm I'm talking about like the movies right now like he has mm-hmm. this like, late '80s early '90s aesthetic that I just find so um like revolting or like <laughs> like, like his his movies have this like have like a sensualness, uh-huh in them are like a there's like a tactileness to his movies that I found that terrified me as a kid I like I I thought you know it was like in my head it was it's like. Stephen King is like the guy, Clive Barker is like the dirtier guy. And then uh, John Carpenter is the cool guy who I can hang out with. Cause like, I like John Carpenter. Um, so like, I always avoided uh, Clive Barker's stuff just cause it felt so more, like, so much more dangerous. Um, yeah. And this past this past year, I was like, okay, I'm taking care of this. We're doing Clive Barker now. Uh, so I watched Hellraiser and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I watched, um, his, he has another movie. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Um, it's like the, the monster. Oh, uh, Nightbreed. Uh-huh. He like that poster, um, terrified me as a kid. So I was like, okay, I have to watch Nightbreed. And then Nightbreed was good. So I've been meaning to like read his books. Um, so when you guys asked me, I was like, "Oh my God, the Hellbound Heart can be one." Like, I gave you guys a list, and I was really hoping for the Hellbound Heart to. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I want to read it.
0: <laughs> oh, so you experienced awesome. it for the first time too?
1: Yeah, I experienced it for the first time. I had never read it before. I was just like, I like this is a perfect opportunity to like jump into his work. It's his literary work.
0: Man, that's so cool! I'm so glad that. Um, our show ended up being like giving yourself homework that's that's great Uh, (laughs) it's funny because for me clive barker i think of him as like children's fantasy author clive barker because like (laughs) he did write like a a couple fantasy novels for middle reader yeah and um and that's he painted the art for them too yeah they're gorgeous they're really so i've always seen him that And I'm also really, really, really late to horror at all. I just, um, I was terrified of things growing up. It was too, too affected my dreams. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just stuck away from it until like the past couple of years. So I never knew any of the other stuff. I mean, of course I've seen Pinhead from Hellraiser before. Um, But this, this made me think more of Shirley Jackson than it did... Mm. um, you know, like Stephen King or something. And I thought it was interesting that like, after reading your book, which starts so like feet planted in like the here and now, and then it goes crazy. This book starts in this like insane way. And then it's like, and then these people are moving in. <laughs> um, And I was, I was completely, you know, it's funny to go from, you know, normal to cosmic horror and then start then again in cosmic horror and then it's like back to normal. Um it was a it was a very interesting reading experience. So wait, so what did you think after oh I loved it. Okay.
1: <laughs> it was so good. I think um like in my in my early writing days I was trying to like mimic Raymond Carver and what ended up ooh, like eventually ended up happening was I would like a serial killer would get into the story or <laughs> so like it reminded me of that of the of just this like it felt like reading Hellbound Heart it felt like um you know it, t- it takes place in like the house so like mm-hmm. it just felt like the second floor was like the horror novel and then like the first four was the Raymond Carver short story (laughs) of like couples and like relationships. And I like, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, And I didn't, didn't even occur to me that it, that like grief plays like a huge role in it for me. Like it was just the, the element of a, of desire. Yeah. That like really, really like stuck out to me and just like, you know, like I, I, I've had it in my head for a very long time of like why isn't there like 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 horror love stories or like horror romance um and this this is like the closest thing I found to it and I'm like oh, oh my yeah. god this is it this is this is exactly what it is it's it's you know you have pinhead and you have um the the uh, cenobites that really steal the show in the book but like it's about it's about Love mm-hmm. it's, it's about lust, it's about relationships it's it's everything that like I don't know. it's like every every like everyone's looking for that like TV show that has this stuff in it. I'm like it, it's already here.
2: Um, yeah. it's so cool
0: I am um, I was so into Julia. she was a very strange um ne- like head to be around. Um, And I loved, there was this moment later on in the novel where there's a storm that's hitting and she's like scared of it. And there's so much bloodshed that she's already seen. And she even says like, yeah, like me, who's like seen all this bloodshed, I am in fact still scared of this storm. Um, (laughs) And I was just like that, I I love that there was a little bit of break of everything to just take a moment to to make her still scared of like rain on the windowpane. Yes.
1: And, you know, um, another part, just like, um, I guess like the movie, you know, when you see the Cenobites on film, like it's, I guess it's really easy to like, just feel the fear just because they Mm -hmm. look so gnarly. But like in the book, I was really surprised by how like, you know, they're just, they're described as like these gruesome creatures, but like, they're not. They don't act like they're gruesome creatures. They don't like. Yeah. There is nothing about them that they're like. Oh, I'm evil, and I like. I do evil things and prepare for evil. Like right. It's. Just, they're like. Oh, you want pleasure? Like they're like. It, it was really, really. Um, I just, I just loved how it was. Everything was like couched around like. Oh, it's not pain. It's not horror. It's just like, it's pleasure. And we are like, we are beings that have reached a level of, uh, I guess, sensory experience where like, pleasure, pain, those those are like, those are little words. Like, you don't understand the type of like experience we can like create for you. That um, it's like, n- none of it is scary to them. Whereas like, we're like, oh, so you wanna, so you wanna stick hooks into us, like yeah. that's what you wanna do. Um right. like that's what I, I just found so genius and so like like once once I read that one like that first section, um, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked it's i'm I just said I was a slow reader. It took me two days to like read it just because I was so into it,
2: yeah,
3: it really i mean it's it's taught sometimes to the point of like like sketch or treatment where he's just like he's. The dialogue is so terse the characterization is sometimes so short where he's just he's like yeah we don't need to deal with that you don't need to know what everybody was wearing or eating like let's get to it in a right. way that forces your brain to really grapple with like it's so immediate yeah. everything about it you just have to be like oh fuck. okay i guess we're doing this <laughs>
1: exactly what it is it's like I guess we're doing
3: this
1: i guess (laughs) i guess we're doing this i mean i don't know if this is a spoiler or not but there's no pinhead Mm -hmm. right i mean there's an engineer like that that is like referred to but i was like wow that that was not like um i don't know you like now we can see like there's a whole an entire franchise built around this and you're like oh wow like um it's like it's like Jason all over again where you're like Jason didn't have his mask until when (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's such an an odd thing you don't even realize I was like wow like uh Pinhead is not even like a character in this book but like all of the elements of the franchise are already there like the order of the gash yeah um all of these different ways to like enter this realm um the like the bureaucracy involved with these uh, yes. supernatural beings that that they're like <laughs> they're like hey like you you know the, them's the rules you gotta come yeah, with exactly me. Like, it was it it was so cool it like it just makes me more like I don't know like grow fonder for Clive Barker that I'm like wow man like like how'd you lay that foundation in the beginning
0: like that's amazing that yeah. that that whole like just got to follow the rules thing makes you, there's a point later on in the novel where you're just like, hey, why aren't you following the (laughs) rules? That's exactly what it is, yeah.
3: As someone who deeply loves order and structure, I was like, okay, I get it.
0: I I think that it's so cool how much he leaves to the imagination. I mean, there's points where he's like, it's beyond imagining how gross this thing is. (laughs) And you're just like, Mm -hmm. ooh, I can get pretty far. Is it grosser than like what I've got? You know, because like, he really is like, you try it. You imagine it. I'm busy. Right, right. I've got a bunch of movies to make.
1: he (laughs) He gives you like the barest things. And then he's just like, yeah, and um, a woman is sitting on a throne of heads, but anyway,
3: yeah, <laughs> just like, what? I'm sorry, go back.
1: <laughs> and I, yeah, the whole time I was like, oh, we're gonna get that back, right? No, nope, no, nope. nope. like that's, and it, it doesn't feel like it's something that's like half-assed or rushed. It's just like, it's very, very intentional. Like even, you know, the, the, the character I just described, I think she's like in like, there's like three sentences and one of them is like, now we can begin. <laughs> and, like, and you're like, oh my God, yes. Like it's, uh, I don't want
3: to be involved in what's
2: yeah. going on,
1: but like, oh my God, it's so perfect.
3: Even just the idea that there are other configurations for the box mm-hmm. and that just the, the slight implication of that, that makes you think like it just, it does, he does so much with so little. And, um,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, but like people create the boxes accidentally, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like that's another. That was another thing that was just so fascinating. That it's like this isn't even. I don't know if it's like people are like, kind of like called to like create this thing, or right. if like it's just you just get so locked into the uh, the act of like creation and mm-hmm. artistry that you you just get so so locked into like creating something that you end up creating this like portal to a uh, sex hell. <laughs> but like it, but like I, I, just, I just found that like so, so cool that it's like it's, there is, there is no like rhyme or reason to how like these portals are created, but like it doesn't matter because if you open that portal, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, yeah, it made me um, it's made me think twice about getting any of those like impossible puzzle boxes, like you know, <laughs> yeah. like. I just don't, I don't need that noise in my life. You know, <laughs> not, at <all. laughs> not at all. I've never seen the movie. I feel like I probably should now. Um, you should, but I will say, I mean, not,
1: like the book is going to be better uh, just because like the, the dynamic between like the dynamic is different in the movie. It's like um, Rory is like
3: Julia's father.
1: I want to say like, Yeah, it,
3: there's like some weird. I don't know. They're trying to oversimplify it. Instead, it just like yes. you're like, I think you broke it.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> Instead of like the whole like two couples and the unrequited love, and being trapped in a marriage, like all of that stuff, it becomes like like a family type scenario with like the other woman trying to come in. Like it's very very simplified um, that compared to the book. But I'll, I'll say like the the movie does has does have that like. That sensualness and that like
2: mm-hmm. that
1: whole like, oh, we're not disgusting creatures. We're actually like these higher beings. Like it's still, it still maintains that, even though it's like you're so obviously gross. Like yeah. how, <laughs> how can you think that?
0: We all are agreeing that everybody should read The Hellbound Heart. Um, and also this thing between us. I think the three of us can agree that everybody yeah, should read think, these two uh, books. Yeah. Um, yes. But we should also recommend some other uh, things.
2: We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah.
0: Drew, do you wanna do you wanna kick us off here? All right, sure.
3: I've got two books. Both of which I also read during this past October. Uh, one of them is a puzzle box book, and the other is has some cosmic horror to it. Um the first is James Han Matson's Reprieve, which is it is a horror novel in that like it's dealing with a murder or a violent death in a full contact haunted house in the late 90s, but it it's the sort of like literary fiction guise of horror where there's nothing supernatural. It's it's all very real and the stakes just keep rising and the tension keeps, and you just are like, don't go into that room, don't do that thing. And also his descriptions of these rooms in this full contact haunted house are some of the most terrifying writing I've read. Like, cause you are, there's, there's the added thing of just being like, you chose to do this. Yeah. Why are you in this room where like people are screaming at you and like blindfolding you? And what are you doing? Why? Like (laughs) it's the added thing of in a horror novel where you're like, don't go in there this time. There's just something about like you paid to go in there. (laughs) Um, But it's really good. It was, it's so moving. um, And it just, uh, it is one of the first pieces of like, literary fiction that i've read in a while that i felt like um was coming at genre from the literary fiction side and like owning both in a way mm. um that i just i think it's going to get a lot more people reading or appreciating horror which is awesome um mm. the other book is technically two novellas or two novels even um new york review books put it out a couple of years ago It's called The Rim of Mourning by a guy named William Sloan. It's these two novels, like novella novels, the only two things that he ever wrote. Um, One is called uh, The Edge of Water, and the other is, I forget what the other is. It doesn't matter. They are two more or less straightforward, like it's the 30s um, sort of like, burgeoning cosmic horror in the world but he comes at it from like a way more science fictional mad scientist kind of direction like one story deals with a floating cosmic entity like a brain that takes over a person Mm. in a way that you're reading it and you're like you can see the old-timey black and white adaptation of this and a world in which like this was a touchstone story um oh it's called to walk the night that's the other one Mm -hmm. it's just like for the most part that you know there's rough edges around both of the stories and they're a little too long but the payoffs man are fucking great and there is a like ah if only he had written more stuff yeah um so yeah it was really fun both of these are like really fun spooky reads to pair with these two nice Guys, how about you? Really good. Um,
1: so, uh, my first recommendation will be "The Only Good Indians" by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, yeah. Just won the Mark Twain Award. I I believe I believe that's what it's called, the Mark Twain Award. Um, no way! Amazing book. Like what? Easily one of my favorite horror novels ever. Um, it's about a group of a uh, group of men who go hunting um in in a section of of land they're not supposed to be they're not supposed to go hunting um and they they commit this terrible accident and then all hell breaks loose uh, no but like <laughs> literally like like something begins hunting them down um ah oh, so it's it's got everything it's heartbreaking it's got horror it's um it it, it deals with like issues in the, in the Native American community. Um, it has quite possibly the greatest one-on-one basketball game in the history of literature. Yep. <laughs> um, so it's such a, such a good book. Um, I absolutely love it. So, and I, I know like if, if anyone reads it, like they will fall in love with it too. And it it has like, um, I, I listened to an interview with him where he was talking about how he always, he always wanted to write a book where like you get to the halfway point and something happens that's so like out of nowhere that that you like look at the book in your hand and you're like, how is there still like half more to go? Like, <laughs> and there's a yeah, he does it like he there uh, a, a like a part of the book where like, you know, it, it's going you think you know where it's going and then it just like kicks up like 10 levels in like a matter of like a couple of pages um they're like whoa how do, how does this book keep going uh, but it does it's so so good so like i definitely recommend that one um another book was on the list that i had given you guys um the cypher by kathy koi i've never actually had to say her name out loud so kathy koya or Coy, koja mm-hmm. i think it's um, koja Koja, I don't know, have either of you, either of you read The Cypher?
3: I have it sitting on my shelf and I just like keep not quite getting to it.
1: All right, so if if you had trouble reading my book <laughs> in any way, um, The Cypher will destroy you. Like I read The Cypher after I'd, I'd uh, written my book and I was like, oh, there was another love <laughs>
2: like, like
1: The the, the cypher uh, god it's this this guy um and his girlfriend find a hole in like the utility closet in his like apartment comp- complex and the hole seems to be alive and they start like interacting with the hole and the hole starts starts changing them in these very very not f- like partly physical but then like mostly mental and it, it's so immersive and terrifying I couldn't get it out of my head like it was it was one of those books where I was like I have to keep reading because I don't want to read it anymore <laughs> like, like I, I just need to be done with it and then once I was done with it I could not stop thinking about it mm. um, it gets under your skin you will not feel like yourself, like it's it's a very, very immersive experience um, i cannot I cannot say whether you're gonna enjoy it or not, but I will say you will never forget this book um, <laughs> that's and, a
0: that's a strong recommendation yeah like
1: i'm I'm gonna go on a, on a limb and say nothing terrible happens to animals in this book. Mm. It's strictly humans so- <laughs> So like there's that for you, yeah, um but e- yeah easily like yeah a harrowing harrowing read that I absolutely loved um so those are my two recommendations.
0: Nice. Nice. Christopher? Yes. Uh I'm going to recommend one thing that just came to mind. Um Gus, when you're talking about books that like halfway through something crazy happens and you're just like, how is there half a book left? Um, and I might've even recommended on the show before, but I'm going to recommend it again. It's Victor Laval's, um The Changeling. An incredible horror novel, adventure novel. Uh, there, there are not many times in my that I've like been yelling out loud at something that's happened in a book. And then I was yelling... In this book when there's just this horror sequence with the mom and the child that I just I will never get out of my head um and like that's only one of the like 65,000 things that happen in the book that are just <laughs> insane um and I think that they're I think the adaptation is moving forward it seems like there's actually people getting cast so like read yeah. this book before oh, wow. any sort of like adaptation like changes how you see these people in your head because you know let let victor tell you about them first <laughs> um because they he wrote an incredible book that i'm sure will make for a, a fantastic television or movie or whatever it is but that book who and then my other recommendation is so much nicer um it's just the nicest thing i've found in a long time so many people have been recommending it to me over the years, and now I'm going to pay it forward because it and I'm really late to the party but over the garden wall is yeah, i don't know why I took so long to to watch this it's um a cartoon network uh limited series each episode is about um twelve minutes long It's on Hulu right now, and it's oh, about awesome. a um a a couple of brothers lost in the woods and you don't really know where they came from and you don't know like how lost they are. And each episode they sort of meet one person in their path and something happens in their adventure. And um, it's really funny and really sweet and you love the characters really hard and the music is really, and it's just great autumn mood. Um, And it's not as, uh, terrifying as some of the other things that we've talked about here and i and i also i'm even though they're only 12 minutes long and there's only so many episodes i'm really trying to watch it slowly i've only watched the first four um and trying to just watch one but it's really hard cuz they're great it's so great <laughs> it's so an good.
3: amazing voice cast too yeah elijah wood christopher lloyd john
0: cleese melanie linsky like it sounds really good yeah oh, it's, it's so good it's great it's great and so many people have told me to watch it over the years, and I've always been like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, right. Like, a lot of people know your taste. Like, you, when people give you a personalized recommendation, you should take it. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And it's, it's much nicer than all the horror we've been talking about. So yeah. if you oh, need a know. unicorn chaser, over the garden wall is a good one. And honestly, it's still kind of spooky. Yeah, there's a couple spooky things. <laughs> But like they they immediately like poke the air out of it um it's a really interesting thing that they do that sounds good i want to check that out now to the people at home listening we're speaking directly to you now yeah we so appreciate you listening this far and hanging out while we talk about books um we also appreciate it if you do things like leave us reviews on itunes they mean a lot to us and they mean a lot to the algorithm that rules our lives <laughs> We also really like when you go to patreon.com SMDB. If you're annoyed at the ads in this show, um, we don't have ads on the Patreon feed. So you could watch, listen to our show. And there's no, no ad for, I don't know what we've got running right now. Um, no but- ad for insert ad. Here. <laughs> yeah. No ad for me undies. <laughs> exactly. That is that alone could be a good reason to give us a dollar every month uh, on Patreon or more. And also, finally, I will tell all the listeners to go buy This Thing Between Us by Gus Marino. It, yeah. It, it was an incredible read. In- extremely propulsive. A couple similar times where you're just like, I need to keep reading this so I can be done reading it, but not because like I'm not enjoying it, but just like, oh, like it's so tense. <laughs> um, you, it would be like put like, Let's pause Die Hard right here and just like
2: <laughs> no,
0: um, and but th- thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been great. Yeah, thank you for giving me maybe the greatest
1: compliment I've gotten since the- <laughs> We're, like that. It's like Die Hard that you don't want to pause it. So thank you for that.